Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These Podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. Heavenly Father, we come before you today thanking you that in the cross, Lord, we can do all things through you. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the cross. Lord, it was so cruel, it was so hard, but it had to be done to set us free. We were kidnapped by the devil. We were kidnapped by sin. And Jesus came and paid the ransom and set our soul free so that we might go to heaven. Father, we thank you for that. We love you for that. We love you because you first loved us. God, we just ask today that you'd bless this service. And we thank you for the spirit that we feel already. We thank you for the mercy, the grace. We thank you for the big crowd. Lord, we thank you for all things. Lord, we just ask you today to speak through your Holy Spirit to touch us where we need to be touched. In our hearts and our minds and our thoughts, Lord, rebuke us, correct us, and instruct us in righteousness. Lord, that we might be thoroughly perfected unto every good work. Thank you, Lord. And most of all, I pray if there's somebody here that doesn't know Jesus, Today would be the first day of the rest of their life. Today they become a new creation. Be saved and come to know what Jesus is all about. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And Lord, you have to taste it to know if it's good. You just can't, just can't sit there and look, but you got to taste. And once you had a taste, Lord, you can't get enough. We thank you, Lord, for all you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to be in Philippians 2 today. We're going to be moving into a grand and glorious passage here today. Kind of fitting for the spirit that's here today. And the last time I was here, we were talking about chapter 2. He said that if there was any consolation in Christ, any comfort, any fellowship, any affection and mercy, Paul said, fulfill my joy by being like-minded. By having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. And then he said, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you not only look out for his own interests, but for the interest of others. That was the first four verses of Philippians 2. And last time we looked at that. And we saw these are some of the attitudes we needed to have. We needed these attitudes. We needed to be like this, to be unified, to be the body of Christ, to be one, to have the same love. As he finishes up this little section here in verse 3 and 4, notice the key things he says is let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, in humbleness, let each of us esteem others or think of others better than ourselves. That's hard to do in today's society. But he says, let each of us not look out for our own interests, but for the interest of others. And today it's all about me, me, me. Look out for me and I want to look out for myself and no matter what happens, I'm going to look out for me and nobody else. You know, I'm number one no matter who I got to walk on, who I got to step on, what I got to do. I'm going to climb to wherever I think it is that I want to be wherever I think the best place is for me to be, and I'm going to get there no matter who I have to hurt, no matter who I have to climb over, no matter who I have to stomp on. And that's today's society. Maybe that was the way it was back then 
when Paul was at, you know, because that's kind of the way the Romans were, you know, and Paul's writing from the Roman prison. But he says, you know, we need to look out not only for our own selves, but for others. And so in verse 5, he says, based on all these things, this unity of the body of Christ and looking out for each other and thinking others highly, more highly than ourselves, he says in verse 5, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. He said Christ Jesus had this mind. He had this mindset. He was looking out for others when he came to earth. He was looking out for us when he died on the cross. He wasn't looking out for himself or else he would have never gone to the cross. So he says, first of all, he says, Jesus, in verse 6, who being in the form of God did not consider robbery to be equal with God. You see, first of all, Jesus didn't have selfish ambition or conceit. He abandoned his sovereign position in heaven. He was the God of the universe. He was in control of everything. He was part of the triune God. He created this world. He sustains this world. Colossians says that nothing was made that wasn't made without him. And he sustains it by his hands and he holds it all together. And so Jesus did all that. But yet, he abandoned that position in heaven and he came down here to live in a human body. One of these poor, pathetic human bodies. It's a magnificent piece of work. But considering what he left to come and live in this body, you know, that was a way big step down. And so he says that Jesus was in the form of God. And when he talks about that, he says that the form, that's the word morphe, and it means that he was all of God, but he was all a man too when he came down here. You know, he was in the form of God. He, he was God. He wasn't, as some people say, that he was just a good man, that he ascended to be like God, or he became God, and we can all become gods. But he was God. He's always existed from the beginning of time. Colossians 1.15, part of that same passage I just quoted, says he is the image of the invisible God. I mean, he's Jesus was God in the flesh is what he was. In other words, he's always existed as God. You remember what he said to Abraham? He says, he says if anybody asks who, who sent you, he says, tell them, I am sent you. And he says, before Abraham was, Jesus said, I am. And he meant, I always have been, always will be. Not I was, not I will be, but I am. I always was, and I always will be God. You remember what it says in John 1, 1 through 3, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Then if you jump like to verse 14, it says, tells us what the word was. It says, and the word became flesh and dwelt or tabernacled among us. You remember the Old Testament tabernacle that they, that they offered sacrifices? You see, Jesus tabernacled among us. The Old Testament tabernacle was a picture of Jesus Christ to come and that's what those sacrifices were where they were things earthly things to picture the heavenly things that were to come and it says that the blood of goats and lambs could take away sin temporarily but how much more the blood of Jesus Christ could take it away he died for our sin once 
for all. But they had to continually offer those lambs and those rams and all of those animals to pay for their sins. And it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And John bore witness of Him and cried out, This was He whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for He was before me. And of His fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. He says, this is Jesus Christ. He said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That's what John the Baptist said when he saw him. But you know, he was not only in the form of God, in the beginning with God, but he was also equal with God, wasn't he? Jesus was all God, but he was all man. It's, go back, he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 1 John 5, 7 says, for there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. We don't worship three gods, but we worship a three-in-one God. Just like you have a body, soul, and a spirit, that's what God is. He's a three-in-one triune being. Just like we have a body, soul, and a spirit. And that's the only way I can explain it. Many people have tried to explain it many different ways. But that's the closest I can come as I have a body, a soul, and a spirit. And so Jesus came in the flesh. He's God in flesh. It says that Jesus, even though he was God, even though he was equal to God because he was God, he didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God. In other words, he says he didn't consider it something to be grasped at. You know how it is when we try to get something that we want or we think we deserve a position in life we deserve a place some honor some position and and we grasp at that don't we we do whatever we can to get to that position but it says that Jesus didn't think that was something he needed to grasp at because he was already God if anybody had the right to be conceited to be selfish it's God because he made all things he created all things but he, he didn't think it something to be grasped. He didn't think it something to be held on to. That's what Satan tried to do in Isaiah 14, 12. You know, remember Satan had the eye disease, remember? He says, I will, I will, I will. He says, how, how are you falling from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground? You have weakened the nations. For if you said in your heart, I will ascend into the heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farther sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. And he says, yet you will be brought down to Sheol to the lowest depths of the pit. You see, Satan, that's what caused the first rebellion was Satan took the angels and he rebelled against God. He said in his heart, I will be like God. He was jealous of God. And he wanted to be like God. And so he grasped at something that he wasn't. And so he tried to get there. Jesus, he didn't have to hold on to something that he already was. And that's what we need to realize in our life too, that it doesn't matter to me as long as I know who I am, and what I stand for, and I know I'm right with God, it doesn't matter 
what other people think about me. It doesn't matter. We shouldn't be worried about our reputation. We shouldn't be worried about those things. If we know we're okay with God, we know we're doing the right thing, we know we're okay, then I don't care what those other people say because I know I got it going on with God. And so we're all right. And He'll take care of the rest of it, but we're always worried about what other people think of us. You know, we need to do right, yeah, but when we know that we're right and we're doing okay, it doesn't matter what they think because people are going to do things anyway. And so we don't worry about that. God came in the flesh as Jesus. And he, he looked out for our interest, didn't he? So first of all, he abandoned his sovereign position. He wasn't selfish. He wasn't ambitious. But then he says that he made himself of no reputation in verse 7. In other words, he accepted a servant's position. He looked out for the interest of others. He became a servant. He says there, he made himself of no reputation. And some, some of the Bibles might say he emptied himself. And what does that mean? It's, that sounds kind of strange that he emptied himself. But he was God. you remember when he was on earth and some of the people asked him, what is the sign of your coming and when will you be coming? And he says, it's not even given to me to know the times or the dates. He says, only God in heaven knows. And so what happened was Jesus, when he came to earth, he never ceased to be all God. He was all God, but he was all man also. And he had all this knowledge, but he temporarily laid some of this knowledge aside. It wasn't that he couldn't have had access to it. At times and places, he, he knew what people were thinking, what they were going to do. And, and he showed that. But most of the time, he laid this knowledge aside. He emptied himself. It's called a kenosis or self-emptying. He gave up the use of some of his divine attributes is the best way to say that. He didn't cease to be God. He never became less than God. But he gave up the use of some of those things that he might be here on earth as a man and see what we see, feel what we feel, do what we do so he could be our high priest one day in heaven. He gave up his honor, his heavenly glory. He gave up his independent authority. Remember, he says, I come not to do my will, but the will of the Father. And so he also limited himself to the Holy Spirit's direction. He submitted to the authority of the Holy Spirit. And he also gave up his eternal riches. You remember he said that, that a lot of people have a place to sleep, but not the Son of Man doesn't even have a place to lay his head, you know. And so he went from place to place. And he also gave up a favorable relationship with the Father. When he died on the cross, the Father turned his back on the Son because he couldn't look on that sin. Jesus never sinned, but the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 5, 21, that he became sin for us that we might know the righteousness of God. Doesn't say sin. Remember, Pilate says, I can find no guile in him. I can find no deceit. I can find no sin. And he says, I wash my hands of this whole deal because there's nothing wrong with this man. He's done nothing wrong. Pilate wouldn't have nothing to do with it. When he gave up his glory, when Jesus, after get, he was getting ready to ascend back into heaven, after he died, stayed in the grave for three days, and he was getting ready to go back to heaven, and in John 17, 5, he said, Now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself 
with the glory which I have with you before the beginning of the world. So he says, give me back that glory. I've hidden it. You remember he unveiled a little bit of it while he was on the Mount of Transfiguration. He was up there and he unveiled a little bit of it. You know, his light. And, and, and they all just, they couldn't believe what they saw at that time. But, but, you know, he hid that. He kept that hidden under that flesh. And he also took upon the form of a servant. Notice that word form again. It's the same word we talked about a minute ago, morphe. It means exactly the same as a servant. Totally and completely. Not outwardly, but inwardly. He was a servant. You remember in Mark 10, 45, he said, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That's right. He came to serve and give his life a ransom for many. You remember he washed the disciples' feet. All of them were proud, sitting around, asking who was going to be the greatest in heaven. Jesus, which one of us can sit on your right hand? Had the mamas ask, you know, can my son sit on your right hand and your left hand? And then they were all sitting around asking who's going to be the greatest and wouldn't wash each other's feet. And they were supposed to wash each other's feet before they went in there. They didn't want him to wash their feet. Then old Peter didn't want him to wash his feet. Then he got a little proud and said, not you. You don't wash my feet. Jesus said, listen, if I don't wash your feet, I'm not going to have anything to do with you. He says, wash all of me. And Jesus says, only your feet need cleaning. In other words, he is saying, you're saved, but you only need to be cleansed. You know? and, and what he was doing was, he was speaking of you know, salvation. We need to be cleansed totally and completely. But when we saved, we don't ever lose the salvation, but we need to be cleansed daily. We need to wash the dirt off our hands, our feet, our mind, where we get in the world and it gets on us. And we need to go to God and ask Him to forgive us. And we need to repent of our sins. And we get washed and we go back to God. And He forgives us. And we stand before Him clean again. He said that He came in the likeness of a man. When He talks about that He came in the likeness of a man, meant that He was the same as a man, but this is a slightly different word because it talks about a process of becoming a man, becoming a person. And what it was, was you remember he said that he grew in wisdom and stature, that he grew in knowledge and he learned things as he grew up. And Jesus was becoming a man, but he was exactly like us, except for one thing. He was sinless. He was perfect. He was all God. He was all man in the flesh. But yet, he was sinless the whole time. That's amazing that he came and, and Satan took him out into the wilderness. Actually, the Holy Spirit took him out there to be tempted. If you remember, the Holy Spirit took him out there and let Satan tempt him. And he tempted him for 40 days and 40 nights. You know, and God let him be humiliated and tested. And then he said, sent the angels to feed him and take care of him, didn't he? It says in Hebrews 2, 17 and 18, Therefore, in all things he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people, for that he himself has suffered being tempted he is able to aid those who are tempted. 
You see, he came down here so that he might see what it was like to be a man, to be tempted, to hurt, to suffer, to cry. He did all those things. He was hungry. He was all man and he was all God. But he says here, he came to make propitiation. That's a big word. But you know, in the Old Testament, the mercy seat, that they put the blood on once a year, that the high priest went in there. That was the seat of propitiation, that word. The same word propitiation is the same word for mercy seat. And what it means is satisfaction. He was the satisfaction for God. And when he died on the cross, he was our propitiation. He satisfied God's demand for justice. You know, God was holy and just. But somebody had to pay for our sin, didn't they? I mean, we're so dirty, we're so vile. All of us are. I'm not talking about everybody. I'm talking about me too. We're all dirty. We're all vile. But standing before God, we can never get into heaven on our own. You've got to be perfect to get into heaven. But the Bible says that Jesus took all of our sins. Like I said, he was a ransom to set us free. And he redeemed us to set us free from sin. And he set us free so we could go to heaven one day. And so Jesus was the satisfaction. You know, in Isaiah 53, it says it pleased God to bruise him. That God has laid the iniquity, the sins of us all on him. And it pleased God to bruise him. Because you know why it pleased God to bruise him? Because he loved us so much, he wanted us to go to heaven. You know, if you stand before the judge one day, if I sin three times a day, by the time I live 70 years, I've committed quite a few sins happening. About 50,000 sins, I think it is. 75,000 sins. If I stood before the judge and told him I'd only committed 75,000 sins and I was wanted to be forgiven, I wouldn't do it no more. You think he'd believe me? You think he'd let me off and not punish me? No. So God had to punish somebody. The Bible says that he might be just and the justifier of us because somebody had to pay for the sin. We could spend all of eternity in hell and still never satisfy God's wrath. But Jesus did it all in three hours on the cross and he died for us. And so it says in verse 8, listen to this, he humbled himself and he said, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. The cross was the most cruel way of killing somebody back then. The Romans devised it, and people would often linger for days on that cross. Four holes in your hand, you try to get up so you could take some of the pressure off your arm, so you could breathe, and then it, your feet would hurt where they had nailed you through your legs. But then you'd have to let go, and it dropped down, you couldn't breathe, and you'd basically just stay there for days. They were naked. They'd be spit on. They'd be mocked. And that's what Jesus did for us. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Jesus took that curse from us. So I want to ask, do we have the mind of Christ today? We do if we're looking out for the interest of others. We do if we humble ourselves. 
sacrifice ourselves in the best interest of others. 1 John 3.16, by this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. No, he loved us so much that he was willing to die for us. Not just me, not just Carrie, but all of us. Died for all of those of us that would trust Jesus Christ. Turn our lives over to him, ask to be forgiven. And believe that Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. Then he says lastly, in verses 9 through 11, that Jesus is highly exalted by God. He says here, Therefore God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus has been exalted. Jesus is a good example of Matthew 23, 12. It says, He that humbles himself shall be exalted. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. At the proper time. When you humble yourselves, do what God wants you to do. Somewhere down the road, he's going to exalt you. Maybe it's in heaven. Maybe it's not in this life. But he's going to exalt you one day at the proper time. And you see, even Jesus had to be humiliated. Had to die on the cross. Had to have his beard plucked. Had a crown of thorns shoved on his head. Be beat and stripped and all kinds of things. And he was humble. And he was humiliated. But yet, it says that God has given him the name above every name. That God has highly exalted Jesus. Given him the name Lord, which is above every name. The name Lord. That, that means somebody in authority. Somebody that's in control. That he's the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the most high God. And he's up there in authority and God has exalted him because he died on the cross. And that's why it says in Acts 4.12, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. See, Jesus died to pay for our sins on the cross. And that's why you need to confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior to be saved. It says it the name of Jesus. You can't be saved by any other way. You can't work your way into heaven. But at the name of Jesus, I confess the Lord Jesus has been died on the cross, raised from the dead. It says in verse 10 that every, name, that every knee should bow and every tongue should confess, those on earth and those under the earth, that Jesus is Lord. It says in 2 Thessalonians 1.10, When he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. And it says in Romans 8.18 that I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And so Jesus is Lord and everybody it says those on earth and below earth and heaven, they're all going to confess him as Lord one day. 
But you know what? A lot of people aren't going to confess Him as Savior because they're not going to be able to. You know, all those people did signs and wonders. They said, and they come to Him and said, Lord, Lord. They called Him Lord, but He said, Depart from me. I never knew you. They never confessed Him as Savior. They called Him Lord, but they had never trusted Him to pay for their sins. They had never come and asked Jesus to forgive them. It says solely and completely based on what you did on the cross. I want to go to heaven. Please forgive me of my sins. And so a lot of people one day are going to find themselves before Jesus on their knees. Unwillingly. Because they didn't want to confess him in this life. They wanted to be like Frank Sinatra and say, I did it my way. I'm the king of kings. I'm the Lord of lords. I'm going to do everything I want to do. I'm going to get mine now. No matter who I have to hurt. No matter what I have to do. Having the mind of Christ involves humility, humbleness, obedience, sacrifice. But as we saw in Romans 8, 18, one day, if we do that, we've trusted Jesus Christ. It also involves great reward I want to read an illustration here it's a little bit long I hope we got time to finish it it says this was by Paul Harvey y'all know Paul Harvey that does the radio announcements and he said the rest of the story he said it was Christmas Eve in the Midwest there was a man who had been in a family where his wife and children were Christians but he was not and he rejected it. He sat home that Christmas Eve in front of the fire. He said it was cold out and the snow was blowing. His wife and his little children had gone to chapel in a nearby village for a Christmas Eve service to honor the Christ they loved. He sat by the fire reading the paper. All of a sudden he heard a loud and repeated thumping. He thought someone was banging on the door. He went to the door and opened it, but he found no one there. By the time he got settled back in his chair, he heard it again and again. And he was bewildered as to what was causing it. Until he realized that something seemed to be smashing against the window. And so he went to the drapes and he pulled the drapes aside. And to his amazement, a flock of birds were flying into the window. You see, a snowstorm had caught them away from their shelter. And they were, saw the light and they were trying to get in to be saved from the cold and from the wind and the snow and the warmth that attracted them. And they were literally flying into the grass trying to get light, to get warm. They would freeze to death, you see, if they stayed out there. Well, the man who had refused to go with his family to the Christmas Eve service because he had no interest in the Christ of Christmas was all of a sudden very compassionate for these poor birds. And so he wondered how he could help them. And so he opened the door and went out in the cold and tried to chase them away so that they wouldn't kill themselves against the window. And then he ran to the barn and he threw the doors open. And he whistled and he shooed them and did everything he could to get them to fly into the barn, but they wouldn't do it. He went so far as to take some corn and some bread and make a big trail from the window to the barn. And they wouldn't follow it. In frustration, he said to himself, if I could just communicate with them, if I could just tell them that I don't want to hurt them, that there's warmth and shelter, and that they need to stop beating themselves to death against the glass, but I'm a man and they're birds and we don't speak the same language. 
Oh, if I could just become a bird, I think I could tell him. Then all of a sudden it hit him. In that moment, he understood the whole reason Jesus Christ came to earth. Mankind had been beating itself to death against a barrier that kept him away from the warmth of God's love until Jesus became a man and showed us the way to heaven. You see, that's why God became a man. He became a man to show us the way to heaven. He became our high priest. He came to die in our place on the cross, to pay for my sins, to pay for your sins, and the sins of the whole world. Somebody had to do it. So I want to ask you today, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today? Do you know for sure if you died today that you'd go to heaven? Do you know that? I hope every single one of y'all know that today. But in case you don't today, I want to ask you, today would you be willing to repent of your sins, to turn from your sins? Repent means to turn away from sin and turn to God and turn from that old lifestyle and turn to God because God doesn't want to hurt you. He wants to give you that warmth, that love, all that you can have in Jesus Christ. But He's not going to force Himself on you. He's going to try to shoo you His way, but He's not going to force you. So today, do you want to trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Do you want to repent of your sins? Do you want to go to heaven one day based on what Jesus did on the cross? If you do, I'd like for you to everybody to bow their heads right now and close your eyes. Right now, in the quietness of your heart, I want you to ask yourself, are you truly a Christian? Are you truly saved? Has there come a time in your life when you put all of your faith in trusting Jesus Christ to get you into heaven? And nothing you can do. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, with your whole being, that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And so today, if you truly want to be saved, if you feel that conviction right now that you need to be saved, that's the Holy Spirit telling you, please come to Jesus. You need me. You need to go to heaven. I want to save you. I love you. I died on the cross for your sins. Forsaking all other things, I put all of my trust in Him. F-A-I-T-H. Forsaking all, I trust Him. Jesus Christ. You need to start reading your Bible. You need to start praying. You need to start depending on God to get you through the day. Day by day by day. And He'll do it. He'll bring you into His warmth. And He'll take care of you and give you all the things you need. To make it through this life. Well, I enjoy being with y'all today. God bless each and every one of y'all. Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Please help us reach out to those the world has forgotten. Everyone we minister to is locked up in some way, shape, or form. Some are locked up in bodies that don't work and in the nursing home facility, in the wheelchair, the bed they cannot get out of. We minister to children and youth who are locked up because of behavioral problems or their parents. They aren't doing right and their cries, we want to have a real family. Other kids are locked up because they've committed crimes. We also minister to those locked up in the jail and the prison, to those locked up in addictions, to drugs, alcohol, 
depression and suicidal thoughts and a variety of other things that keep them from becoming who Jesus wants them to be. He came to give us life and to set us free, and these folks are not free, but we can set them free through Christ Jesus, at least in their minds and their spirits. We minister in the local area of Savannah, Georgia, and surrounding Effingham and Chatham. We do about 2,000 services every year. We hope and pray that you'll support us in some way so we can continue our mission. Go to hisloveministries.net and click on the Donate Now button, and we hope and pray that you will do that. Thank you, and God bless you.